the great Craig Bell. You ready to get started? Let's do it. James Scott Campbell, let's get the podcast started. Thanks to our At The Net podcast girl, Margot Carter. That's a, the great Margot Carter, isn't it? That's right. All right. So this is this is a new one. You haven't heard this word for I that. I don't know the word of the I, day. I'm going to try this. All right. So hopefully Ramona won't laugh at me. Nek rezut. Nek rezut. You know what that means? What does it mean in Romanian? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Is, is that correct? Did I, did, did I get it? Almost. Almost. You had it. Uh, how, do, <laughs> how, how do you pronounce it? And I'll try yeah. it. Was it, was it the Nekrezut? There you Nekrezut. go. That's Nekrezut. Nekrezut. Unbelievable. I, I, I was listening to it phonetically a little earlier, so I was I thought, oh, that's, I want to see if that's close. My, my uh, Romanian is not very good with the Oklahoma accent. But anyway, uh, welcome fans of The Great Game. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 115. We're yes. on in the 115. We're, we're pushing pushing over, well over that 100 mark right there. That's in that podcast with, on my left, A.J. Chabria, aren't you, A.J. Chabria? That's right, and to my right, the great Craig Bell. Always good hanging with you, buddy. That's right, and we were talking the great game of tennis as it, it seems, seems to us. us. Thanks also go out to our good amigos at Tex-Mex Productions. That will be one Darian D. Mac McBrayer, and we did have a brain sighting. Yep. He might even be watching us right now, Dave, the brain from back of the house. He's, he's not on the soundboards. I'm on the soundboards right You're tonight. producing right. and co-hosting. You're okay. the man. Well, I'm moving the dials and buttons to make us look like real people, right? We're not holograms, right? We can't afford holograms no, yet. Oh, not yet. Okay. Yet. All right. We're, we're, almost, we're almost in the metaverse, right? As, as John Yandel said, he's like, hey, I don't think you guys uh, are there yet, okay. but okay. So also be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Most of you are watching on Facebook right now, YouTube and Instagram Plus. Check out our good work on, here I go, take a deep breath. <sighs> Fireside, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCast, Radio Public, and Spotify. I took it all in one breath. That's well done. All the important communication sites the kids find popular today, right? You bet. Right. Especially that kid right there. You think she's a kid, you know? <laughs> she is. She's a good one. <laughs> if you're female, sorry, guys, and would like to read the opening intro, like the, the great Margot Carter, it's going to be knock, hard to knock her off the pedestal, isn't it? Yeah, she's she does a really good British accent. She sounds, makes it sound kind of classier, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Classes up the joint here on this thing. Let us know. Could you? You can hit AJ up, and he'll uh, think about maybe uh, putting you on as the opening intro for to. I, I'm going to need right? a Rezut, uh demo tape. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty I'm good. Forward to that. Right? Did you even know that word? You probably didn't know that word. I probably heard it, but right. uh, but I, I didn't know what it meant. That's uh, cool. That's right. We always have a word of the night, Ramon. Yeah. So that's uh, I always try to make it kind of kind of personal to the the guest we're having. So speaking of Nekrezut, is that a, is that neck? I didn't get that. I got to get that. Our guest is certainly unbelievable. I'm going to say unbelievable. It's Ramona Husado. <clears throat> Husado, right there. Is that is that better? Is that better? Did I get it close? Right there. Okay, there you go. I like it right there. Welcome to the Athenet Podcast, Ramona. We've been looking forward to this for like uh, sixteen years, I think, haven't we? At least, at least six, know, 16, 16 maybe months. six months. We, 16 we months. Were, well, we were supposed to uh, have her on in January, I believe, yeah. but she unfortunately got sick and, and is doing fine now and back back to full health. And, and uh, we're glad to have you you know, be a part of the program tonight, uh, Ramona. How are things down in Orlando? Well, thanks so much for being here. Such a pleasure. Um, Orlando's good. It's, it's hot. Uh, it's, the summer is starting, so uh, 
yeah, not, no humidity yet, but I'm sure it's going to start pretty pretty quick. <laughs> well, I mean, you've lived in, let's see, so the last three places that you've lived have been fairly warmish, you know, compared to probably Romania. So I'm thinking, like, we know you played tennis at BYU, Hawaii, so that's we're going to talk about that probably here in a second. Mm-hmm. You've lived in Houston. Now you've lived in Orlando. So, you know, you keep going further. Houston, see, Miami that, or Orlando, that would be yeah. fairly similar, wouldn't it, on the – is that yeah. longitude or latitude, whatever? Which yeah, I think latitude of latitude. Houston is similar to North Florida, yeah. Right, so, something like that. So you've lived yeah. in some warm weather climate the last mm, few years, let's say it, right? <laughs> yeah, very much so. I mean, Houston and Orlando, I would say, are very close um, as far as weather goes, very humid. They're both very close to the Gulf, so I think that's part of it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can't complain. I got used to it by now, so. Well, that's, yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, hopefully yeah. hopefully you're used to it by now. You better like it, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> Well, we're going to be asking some questions here later in the third set, so we'll kind of see if you really like it or whether you like, you know, some other you know, varieties. Yeah, we'll get, in to, we'll get to some variety, but right yeah. now, first yep. set, we got to kick it off. Ramona, you are education director at the entire USPTA, uh, U.S. Professional Tennis Association, and that's not just U.S., that is international. Uh, tell us how you got started in the great game back in Romania, and then we'll get into college tennis and how you've uh, come upon this career. Sure. Well, I started tennis uh, when I was about uh, six and a half, seven years old. Uh, my father is a former professional uh, Greco-Roman wrestler, and then he was uh, a coach for many years, so he has been in the sports arena for many years. And at the time when I was around, I was about seven, he asked me if I wanted to try tennis. And I was like, sure, why not? Let's, let's see what this sport is about. And, um, I, I went on and uh, took a few, you know, group, group lessons. And, uh, just really for the first few months, I just explored the sport, just wanted to see what it is about. And, um, next thing you know, there was a tournament, uh, a local tournament there that I played in and uh, I made it to like the quarterfinals or semifinals. And uh, my parents came to watch, and they were like, "Oh, I think we, I think you could play if you yeah. if you really wanted to." So um, from there, I you know I started taking private lessons, and uh, it just got a little more serious from there. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how I got started. That's beautiful. Uh, I can imagine that first coach uh, w- when you did those clinics saying the same thing I did when I first met you. I was like, "What a forehand on this girl! That is huge, huh?" Well, I don't know if back then I had any skills of, of, of any kind, but yeah. I think it was primarily maybe just uh, the foundation, you know, maybe some some footwork, some some determination probably more than anything. And uh, then I started building from there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a journey for many years. We will get back to that word determination in, in, in a few minutes toward the end of the second set. But as we keep rolling in the first, uh, tell us how you made it from those group lessons to elite junior. Uh, I assume you played European Cup and everything. Um, so tell us how you made that journey with the determination and then to playing college tennis at the highest high levels over here in Hawaii. Sure. So, uh, like I said, I, after, you know, kind of trying out the sport for a few months and just, uh, being around other kids and just kind of enjoying the social aspect of it. Um, I start, you know, taking some private lessons, working with a private coach. And, um, I think the following year I made it to the quarterfinals or semifinals of the nationals. And that's when it really kind of, 
you know, kicked in and we were like, okay, maybe we, you know, I'm going to take it a little even more serious than I was and starting investing in more practice and more hours on the court. And, um, yeah, ever since then, it's been, you know, the typical junior competitive junior journey from tournament to tournament, uh, working my way up through the ranks, uh, locally, you know, nationally, and then, um, European ETA ranking, ITF ranking, yep. um, represented Romania at the European championships and then, um, yeah, college tennis, and then a little bit on the pro circuit. So, yeah, I've played a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of everything. And you were undefeated, if I recall, at the Brigham Young University in Hawaii. Is that right? That's right. That's right. So how do you how do you do that? Talk about determination. Uh, but first, let's get to how you were recruited all the way from Romania over to BYU Hawaii. Um, I actually knew two of the girls that were on the team, um, and I think that that played a big role. And also, I was playing in Germany during summers for uh, one of the local uh, clubs there. And one of the girls that was belonging to that same club had played for Coach Porter. And I think it was a combination of both me knowing the two girls on, on, the, on the team already, plus the girl that was at the German club. Um, they, they somehow passed the information along. And next thing I know, I get a call from Dave Porter and uh, <laughs> he's saying that, you know, he would love to have me on the team. And uh, yeah, it was kind of surreal at the time because I wasn't really considering college tennis as a path. Um, I, I still wanted to play pro. And, you know, that was kind of like the goal that I had in mind ever since I was a child. And um, yeah, I uh, I made the decision to, to go and uh, yeah, I've been here for a long time. <laughs> That's great, Ramona. Yeah. Ramona, when he called you, I assume it was this kind of phone call, or was it? Uh, uh, was there any Skype video at the time? No, no. not at the no. time. No, we were uh, old school. With you know, I think I had a, a flip phone, and yeah. um, like I said, it was kind of surreal because you know, all of a sudden you get a call, and, and there's this American accent. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, um, I think I even asked Coach if he could send a, a follow-up email just so I can have it in writing what he was offering and all that. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's been so long, but it's fun now to, to kind of uh, go back to those memories and, uh, and remember that event. It was pretty cool. Oh, that is definitely cool. And uh, the fact that it was a phone call, you did not see, you weren't able to see the uh, puka shells on Coach Porter at the time. <laughs> That's right. I think I, I actually, I think I did look him up and uh, looked up the team and everybody. So, uh, and then I got in touch with, uh, with the girls that I already knew. So, um, you know, it was easy from there. Yeah. And, you know, as, as Europeans, the, the two girls that I knew were also from Europe. So we knew each other from juniors and uh, that helped definitely helped me a lot with understanding what the school was like and the atmosphere and really the quality of, of academics and um, the level of tennis that I was going to, because that, that was still a, a primary goal for me. I, I still wanted to play at a high level and maybe try the, you know, the pro after. Yeah. Um, Dave Porter, my memory of him, of course, besides the Puka shells was the first time I met him was uh, not the first time I'd met Fred Viancos, but we had a, a, a high performance player thing at the, USPTA headquarters in Houston. It was in, this is in the early 2000s. So this is a while ago. Was Dave, for me, Dave was 
a little bit of ahead of his time because he was teaching recreational players to slide with the left foot into an open stance two-hander. And I remember thinking, as a one-hander, I remember thinking, that is pretty cool and pretty new. And a lot of the coaches around me were like, what? What is this guy doing? Tell us your experience and how uh, some of Coach Porter's coaching helped you improve uh, in your late teens and early 20s. Yeah, I mean, he was, like you said, definitely um, ahead of many, many things. Um, always kind of a visionary and, and understanding the game very well from so many different aspects. Um, you know, I grew up on clay, uh, red clay. We, you know, we were taught to step, turn, step and hit. Um, but when I, you know, I had played on, on uh, hard court throughout Europe and also I came to the U.S. to play Orange Ball and, you know, on a number of occasions I have played on hard court. So, <clears throat> you know, back home, I think I didn't really pay that much attention as far as the stance that I was using. But once I started playing more on hard courts and then eventually when I played, uh, you know, when I came to college, he was emphasizing the, the movement and the recovery steps very much. And um, it really showed us exactly why the open stance was so important and how many steps we were gaining from from using it. And um, it wasn't just something that he wanted us to do, but he wanted us to understand it as, and, and really uh, use it because it would uh, it would help us, not because he just said so. So, yeah, definitely very powerful at the time. You know, we're talking, what, um, 16, 17 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Time, uh, time flew, as we were saying before the show, too. Well, uh, CB, anything else for the first set before we move into the second? Now, I was wondering, did, did uh, you have some other opportunities to play besides BYU-Hawaii? What, what uh, was the reason why you chose BYU-Hawaii, say, maybe over, you know, I'm sure you had several offers to go other places. Is that correct? I did have a, a couple. Um, but to be honest, at the time, like I said, I wasn't really looking into that that much. Um, I had several friends that had already received scholarships. So, you know, when, when once you have a friend that's one, at one of the schools already, um, it's, it's pretty easy for them to say, hey, would you be interested in coming over here? But at the time, I wasn't really, I was still, I still had my mind as to, you know, I really wanted to play pro and college wasn't really something that I wanted to do. But eventually I kind of, um, you know, looked into it more, considered my options. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the location, um, the fact that uh, they were number one in the nation for many years and the level of tennis was so high and Coach Porter has such a good reputation and I felt like he could help me, you know, maybe advance to the next level um, were definitely factors that I considered in the, making that decision. So uh, I don't regret it at all. <laughs> Not at all. And then after those four years uh, at BYU-Hawaii, how was your transition into playing um, WTA uh, Futures and WTA events? Well, I played before and after. Yep. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I got injured towards my uh, senior year. Um, I had a shoulder surgery that kind of uh, threw out all my plans and uh, really it was uh, actually a, you know, a pretty tough transition because I had all these, you know, um, dreams and aspirations and all the work, the hard work that I had put in that I still want. I felt like I still wanted to, to go out there and show what, what I can do. And um as we know, with injuries, it's not easy at all. And um, I tried it for a little bit, but it didn't work out. I was having trouble serving. And, uh, yeah, it was the time when I when I really needed to make a decision. And I, I knew I wanted to stay in tennis. I just um, 
was no longer able to compete at the level that I wanted. So, did you um, was the shoulder sur- uh, injury so bad that you needed surgery, or how did you end up fixing it to the point where you can play now and serve? Well, I, I still struggle a little bit with you know maybe just accelerating on the ball as much as I would like, but um, I mean it was an accumulation of many years of uh, you know practice and and mat playing and um yeah, i had a tear in the rotator cuff and uh, an impingement as well and they needed to go in and fix that so um yeah it's uh, one of those injuries that you need time to recover and um yeah i just couldn't get back to the level that i wanted to and uh, had to switch gears yeah good well <laughs> Which at been... some point <laughs> right. i would have had to do anyway so uh, i think it was sooner than later well, speaking of switching gears, let's go to the second set where we get to talk about current and future projects. Tell the folks at home what it means to be uh, directing education at the U.S. Pro Tennis Association. Well, I, I, I see it as a very unique experience, and uh, I'm very excited about all the opportunities that we provide to, to the coaches that belong to the USPTA, and especially those that are eager to learn and, and learn uh, and expand their knowledge on so many different topics, because we, we really try to offer education on topics that, you know, as we know, the tennis uh, world is so um uh, wide and it has so many different avenues right like you could be coaching high performance players you could be working at a country club you could be working uh, at a high school or a college level um, there's so many different directions that our coaches uh, you know t- operate every day and we try to provide education that fits all those needs and of course all the technology and all the modern um, you know analytics that happen and and anything that happens within um, the business and the leadership side of it. So we really try to embrace all the different topics that are out there and, and provide um, the educational opportunities that our coaches are asking for. And um, I'm always very open to, um, to suggestions and any topics that I hear from members, I always try to um, put them out there and um, because that's that's how we all learn from each other and I feel like that's the strength of our organization it's the membership the the coaches that come together and share ideas learn from one each other and uh, that's what makes us stronger and unique wonderful um, uh, as a board member of USPTA Texas and I do uh, uh, sort of getting the speakers as education chair over here, I certainly appreciate how you can curate a, a wide mix because, as you said, the tennis world is quite broad. Uh, you mentioned different silos in tennis, and some people do actually all four of those things, you know. So uh, if I were to ask you, um, if you were putting together a conference, what types of speakers would you throw in the mix uh, in today's world? Meaning, as things have changed so much with uh, tennis seeing quite an uptick um, from the COVID years. Yeah. So, like I said, we try to, you know, fit all these different topics um, and, and and provide us a, a well-rounded uh, schedule as possible. So we, we, you know, we try to focus on the physical aspect, the technical, the tactical, strategy, uh, mental, um, the environment that you create at your club. Um, Programming, events, uh, marketing, creating your brand, um, you know, how to use technology to to uh, 
um, even deliver classes these days. You know, we know that in, in many parts of the country, people went virtual and they started teaching some of their classes virtually. Um, the adaptive um, part of it with wheelchair and inclusive coaching. Um, I mean, you name it. We, we try to, like I said, try to give everybody that comes together uh, a segment, hopefully a segment that they're, that they're dealing with so that can uh, meet their needs. It's hard to do that, but we try our best. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's take just 10 seconds and plug. Craig and I have volunteered in some things for uh, USPTA Adaptive and Wheelchair. We have? Yeah, yeah and oh, you've hosted no. some events here. But I wanted you to quickly plug something you're doing this coming Wednesday with our good friend Lisa Pugliese-Lacroix. That has to do with um, inclusive coaching. Tell us a little bit about that. This, that's sort of a concrete example of what you're doing literally this coming week. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as we celebrate Autism Month, um, we have Lisa next Wednesday presenting mm -hmm. on um, how to adapt your current um, instruction to make it a more inclusive environment and really learning how to maybe some of the drills that we're already doing, but how can those be adapted and tailored to the people that we teach and and if we do have people with special needs in our in our uh, programs that we would know and understand the basic foundation of what it takes and how we can deliver that information accordingly because at the end of the day i mean um we need to do more of that right so um i think the more educated and uh well-rounded we are the, the best the better the lessons that we teach are 100%, yeah. Craig's got a nice comment from a very famous Hall of Fame tennis coach. Yep. What does it say from Ronnie? Ron Woods, uh, a.k.a. I, I call him the Lone Ranger. And uh, he says, uh, love that gal. That would be uh, uh, Ramona. That would be you. That's right. <laughs> she does. Hi, Ron. <laughs> yes, she does a great job for USPTA. So what an endorsement right there. I mean, yeah. that's uh, from the man himself, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, you know, Ron Woods. So he's uh, down in Corpus Christi. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's get to. Um, I, I want to get to your your view of the future, um, not just your current projects, but your view of the future. What do you see happening in the world of tennis, or tennis instruction, or the education and methodology of tennis instruction? Well, I think it's just going to continue to uh, elevate and, and develop. Um, we know that uh, video has taken a lot of, uh, of that these days. We see more and more instruction delivered through Instagram and, and YouTube and all the social media avenues that are out there. Um, many coaches are doing that. And, um, you know, that's also an aspect that we try to educate our current members uh, how that particular um, segment can become an additional income to their existing programming, for example. So if they're just currently coaching, um, you know, uh, just the traditional way where you go to the court and teach a lesson or have a program, um, many players are interested in maybe, you know, sending you videos for analysis or you sending them tips every week or uh, just having a phone consultation based on a particular tournament that you have upcoming. I mean, there's so many. With, with COVID, I think technology has um, become such a 
I mean, not that it wasn't before, but now it's even a more powerful tool that people need to leverage. And um, I think there's there's so much that they can do with it. Um, but we still we still have some resistance from some of the people that are not as as comfortable. But just like with anything, right? It's it's about trial and error, embracing it, and and keep going, keep practicing until you get better. So. Um, I, I only see good things in the future. <laughs> For sure. Well, uh, that was a, a good second set. And as yeah. we end the second set, we've got a few thoughts for you, Ramona. Like, um, let's start with why tennis as a profession. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and that was a question that I asked myself when I uh, stopped competing. Um, like I said, uh, per- personally, it was a, a pretty challenging time. Um, um you know, some some players transition from competition easier than others. Uh, for me, it was pretty challenging. Um, I had worked my whole life for for those goals, and uh, although I had achieved pretty high results, they weren't the results that I wanted. And um, it was pretty tough to accept that, you know. Um, and I felt like I had so much more to give. And I um, at that point, I started asking myself, what would I like to do, and uh, how would I be able to kind of fulfill that claim that I still had. And I, uh, you know, luckily with, with through coaching and just kind of being in contact with other players and, and understanding what I could do um, and kind of give back and maybe, um, you know, fulfill some of the aspects that maybe I would have liked to have when I was playing from a coach um, that kind of motivated me and kind of opened up this other part of my life where I feel like I have so much to give back and um, through the USPTA, I was lucky enough to be exposed to so much and learn from so many different coaches. And um, I really feel like there's there's so much that we can do to impact others. And as we know, tennis is a sport that not just develops uh, players physically, but it's about the emotional part, the, the mental part, um, the problem-solving part. It's the social aspect. Sometimes we, you know, we create programs or events at our clubs that just brings people together, and it's about diversity and inclusion and, and you know, sharing the love for the sport, regardless of your background and your beliefs. And um, I think if we kind of, as coaches, if we kind of... Um, clarify why are we in this business or, or um, um, what do you call it, um, job, yeah. what is it that we're doing? I think it becomes pretty clear after that. If you decide on, on the why, what is it that you're trying to achieve every day, then everything else I feel like it, it falls into place pretty easily from there. Yes. Uh, one of the things that you've written, and I, I know we all share this as tennis coaches, is how we can make a difference in, in others through coaching. Can you give us a couple of uh, examples of either how you received that as a student or how you have given that uh, that kind of a feeling to people that you have coached? Yeah, so, um, well, I guess I could start with maybe um, some of the lessons that I, t- I learned from maybe my dad. Uh, like I said, my dad being a coach his whole life, right. obviously instilled this, um, you know, discipline and determination in my schedule. And and I carried that on with everything that I did from there. And, you know, he really taught me that there was nothing that was going to be handed to me. If I wanted to be good, I needed to work for it, regardless of it's, if it's tennis or any other Avenue, and I think that really set the foundation for what it really took to to get anywhere. If I wanted to become good, I needed to put in the work; otherwise, it wasn't going to happen. 
Um, and then from uh, Coach Porter, for example, I would say, you know, he's he's such a, like I said, such a well-rounded individual and he's, you know, a professor and, you know, all, all of us that have played for him, I think we got inspired and wanted to continue our education just because we, we were around him. Um, but there were two quotes that I learned from him that stayed with me. And one of them is, um, if it is to be, it's up to me. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite ones because every time I have a, a tough situation and I try to blame on uh, you know situation on on, <laughs> on the exterior or on, on anything else outside of my control, I have to go back to myself and say, if I want this to happen, it's on me. I gotta I gotta find a way. And then the second quote from him is um, he always emphasized the situation that we were in. For example, if we had a match, he would say you have to play the card that it's being dealt to you. There's just no other card. So if this is the card that was dealt to you, if this is the opponent that you're playing today, if these are the conditions that you're playing in today, if this is the situation that you're in, it is what it is and you have to find a way to figure it out. There's just no, you, you can't get another card. Yeah. <laughs> and those were, those were some pretty important messages that, like I said, stayed with me from early on. And I really think that it helped me. Um, and I, I, I tried to do the same with my players as well, you know, whether they're high performance players or just, uh, you know, maybe they're playing leagues or just are there for the social environment. I try to obviously fit, you know, tailor the information based on their needs. And if they're just there for, for the social environment, I try to create that, um, you know, union and, and the fun atmosphere and give them some uh, autonomy on the choice of drills or the activity that they do, or um, really just kind of listen to what, why they are there for that particular lesson and try to deliver on that. Because as we know, with adults, um, adults are, they learn differently and they enjoy the activity differently and you can just be commanding them and telling them what to do. Most of the time adults want to be involved and they want to understand why they're there and why the activity is important and also to give them some, some autonomy on the things that they're doing and, and maybe select some of the, um, the, you know, the topic of the lesson or, you know, what, what is it that they want to work on? And uh, many times I've had people come up to me and say, thank you so much for, for that opportunity because we, you know, well, we really don't enjoy when we're just being told what to do and, um, you know, they expect us to just follow orders. We're not kids anymore. And I mean, that's just kind of my approach, but everybody's different. And uh, as long as it works for your students, I think that's what matters. That's wonderful. Ramona, even 12-year-old kids now don't want to be told what to do. So even they need some of that autonomy. And, and sometimes we use the word ownership. Um, you must have, uh, clear, it's clear to me that you received the attitude of, the, well, the mindset from your dad and Coach Porter and others uh, that, if I can use the word stoicism, the wisdom to control the controllables and understand that you can't control some things that are not controllable, like the hand you're dealt and things things like this. Um, how do you convey that level of mental strength and stoicism that may not exist in a student or a group that you might have in front of you? Yeah, I mean, that happens quite often, right? Um, and that's when you try to maybe go back to the basics and just lay the foundation and see also, you know, ask questions, see where they're coming from, what is their perspective on things and, and see how you can tailor the information to 
to fit their own needs and see what makes them click. Um, you know, as we know, everybody's different. They have different personality traits and not everybody responds the same way to the same information. So um, obviously it takes time when it comes to these things. And um, um, you just try to build one brick at a time and, and really try to see what do they respond best. But at the end of the day, if we're talking about high performance, um, there's only so much you can do for someone who doesn't want it, right? So you, you try to see if they want it, if, if their desire is actually their own, and then see what you can work from within that um, and hopefully build and make them realize um, if there's like a bigger purpose as to why is it that they're playing? Is it just because of ranking? Is it just because of, you know, college scholarship? Is it beyond that, you know, is it about the process? Is it about, what is it about? What's important to them? And once you find what's important to, to those particular individuals, I think that's kind of where you start and, and see what you can build in that direction so that it makes sense to them. Strong stuff, Ramona. You really did a great job of tackling the mental and emotional side, both. I want to get to on the court and then maybe in the fitness center, what does it take to develop a, a really good player? I know one of the conversations we had over an email was about junior development or pathway to college and pro tennis. But if you'd like, you can also include an answer that might apply to recreational adult players. Sure. So um, if we're talking, you know, junior development, I would say, obviously, the primary thing is to um, we definitely want players to be well-rounded physically, right? We want them to be athletic. So there must be um, a strong foundation of athleticism there where they're, you know, moving well, their, um, their agility is pretty up there. They can change direction quickly. They have coordination. Um, all the things that are important just to for, for the athleticism part, right? Just being a good athlete. And if you have that foundation, it's almost like you have your wheels that you could pretty much build on, right? Um, if a player can move to the ball, the, the rest is pretty easy from there. You could have really good strokes and great form, but if you can't get to the ball, you're not going to hit it in the right spot. So um, for me, phys the physical aspect is like the primary foundation where like you're just laying that foundation and you start building on it. And then, of course, you know, you want your technique to be, um, it doesn't have to look like the pros, but it has to be, um, sound, right? Where there's just no, not many flaws where you are not able to execute a particular shot. You should, you know, if you're, if you're, if your, um, goals are to play at a high level, you, you want to be well-rounded. So you want to be able to hit top spin. You want to be able to hit through the ball. You want to be able to, uh, you know, have continental skills to drop shot slice overhead serve. Um, so really developing that well-rounded player, in my opinion, is, is a key because um, as we know, there's so many players that emphasize that winning uh, early on when they're like 12, 13. And once they get to 16, 17, they can win a match. So yeah. it's, it's most often than not, it's because of the way they develop their game that doesn't uh, translate over into the later stages. And I, I, that's why I think um, that, you know, when, when you're working with players, you try to develop 
them as, as much well-rounded as possible. And as a coach, I think sometimes that's um, pretty challenging as well, because as we know, we, we tend, especially at the beginning, we tend to teach um, the way we were taught, right? And if, for example, if I'm a two-handed backhand player and I have a player that's a one-handed, I might maybe try to change them to a two-handed. And, you know, sometimes you just, you have to try to look outside of yourself and see, is this really necessary? Is this change really necessary? You should probably try to see if there's a way to meet them where they are and see how you can build on those strengths and not necessarily make changes just because it's not something that you're comfortable with. Um, if the student is comfortable with it, I think that's what matters. And I think that applies to recreational players as well. Um, so I know it was a, a pretty long question. Oh, I don't know if, I, if I met half half of it, you but. you you nailed it, and I appreciate that you uh, took the two part question and included the recreational players as well. Um, I wanted to just follow up a little bit. I loved the uh, a phrase that you use that I often think of a lot is continental skills, i.e., low volleys, slicing either side, serving overhead smash. Not everything is um, negotiable. Sometimes I don't even want to use the word non-negotiables, but what are some things that you very strongly almost insist upon? And, and it may just be continental skills, but what are some of those elements of technique that you really strongly suggest in any level? And again, you are free to talk about recreational players, club players, whatever, or uh, elite juniors. Well, I, I mean, like I said, I think it depends on, on the type of player and their goals, right? So if the goals are big, you obviously want to have as many tools as you can. Um, you obviously want to have at least the basic of, of being able to put the ball back and keep the ball in play mm -hmm. and hopefully maybe end some points, right? Good. And then if you, uh, you know, want to prioritize that make the slice and the drop shots and all the other soft skills uh, as a second priority. Um, I see some people doing that, but I think it's, it's, if, if they're being taught the same way, like in, in equal import with equal importance, that's the foundation that you set for players because every shot is important and one is not more important than the other. And yes, of course you want to keep working on your strengths. And, you know, if you're serving your forehand or your major, or your strengths, you want to keep building on those. But um, at the same time, I wouldn't neglect the others, the other strokes just so that, you know, um, just because we're not enjoying them or they're not as much fun to work with. Um, but again, it goes back to the, to the goals. If the goals are just to play, um, league and, and, you know, just to get out there and, and play, if you're just playing doubles, for example, maybe, you know, serve coaching volleys, all these things would be primary. But, um, when I teach, I, I kind of embrace the full method, uh, either way. So I try to get in, get buy-in from the students either way. <laughs> That's wonderful. Ramona, speaking of you teaching, um, how often, you know, of course I've seen you at conferences and things, but how often do you get down there and teach, uh, locals how to play tennis? Um, right now I'm only working with a couple players, just kind of on a private basis, um, primarily focusing on the mental side. Um, I enjoy that a lot. Um, I used to coach much more back in Houston where I was working closely with a, a high school team and with some of the competitive juniors that wanted to play college tennis and some of them went on to play pro circuit a little bit. So I did, um, much more of that there. Um, but here, 
my schedule is just so busy. And as I'm continuing my studies as well, it's, uh, it makes it really hard to do a little bit of everything. But that's definitely something I want to get back to because I enjoy both. I enjoy doing, you know, putting on the courses and, and talking to people and kind of going over the different career opportunities that they have, but also being able to have that direct connection with, with the player where I can really feel like they're, you know, I'm making a difference in their own life. I love that you're in touch and on the court sometimes too, yeah. even if it's just uh, occasional and on a private, uh, I should just a little tooting of the horn for this guy next to me. He Coaches a little bit of high school tennis yeah. sometimes, too. Every once in a while. You are such a mensch for doing that. And oh, I've it was fun. seen you out there with the kids. Wonderful. I saw a couple of uh, today. We had junior team tennis oh, yeah. out. USDA junior team tennis and a couple of kids that played on my junior varsity team were on the uh, uh, another USTA team. It was fun. They came in, hey, coach, hey, coach. Yeah. And so no, I enjoy all levels of play. It doesn't really matter whether it's high level, yeah. you know, middle level, lower level, oh, adults, kids. I, and I'm uh, sure they can hardly believe that they've got a guy your level coaching JV high school. Well, they, it's just such an opportunity. They, they just think I'm some doofus that you're probably just, <laughs> you know, yeah, where'd they find this guy? You know, they haven't seen you serve yet. Uh, well, they you know, seen yeah, you. well, it's 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 a lot of fun, and I enjoy it for all the reasons that Ramon has been talking about. Yeah. Uh, I was really uh, impressed with what she has has to say, and I, you know, it, it sparked a, a thought here. I know you have a master's in sports psychology. What would your what did you do your thesis on? I'm trying to sit there and figure this out as you've been talking. I'm like, boy, there are a bunch of different options you could have gone on your thesis. What you what did you write that on? Just out of curiosity. It was on the uh, impact of stress and uh, how stress influences athletes and their injuries. So the impact that stress has on injuries. And uh, as we know, the, you know, the mind-body connection is very strong and um, the ability of a person's ability to manage stress and, and uh, you know, cope with that uh, can, can go a long way or it, or it can break a player. And um, it's it's a very complex topic. Obviously, there's been a lot of research done since, and um, I continue to try to stay up with it. And um, yeah, we we just need to uh, overall. I think we just need to learn more about the different uh, correlations that exist between you know the mind and the body, and how we can help them work well together, and and uh, you know manage our energy, manage our stress, and building on the capabilities so that we have less stress and we, we feel like we can, we have the ability to overcome those challenging situations. How many pages, so, how many pages was your thesis? Just out of curiosity as well. Uh, I would have to go back, but it was <laughs> a, a long book. Yeah. <laughs> a big, book. thick one yeah. like that. Yeah. Like the phone book. Yeah. Honestly, oh, yeah. I, I'm yeah. just impressed that she has continued and remembers the topic of her thesis. Most of us kind of forget what that was. In my case, well, back in the 90s. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I am now on my next journey, so uh, I will uh, I will uh, look forward to that as well, to writing another book. So <laughs> that, that, That's actually one of the things, as we wind down to the second set, we talk about future projects. Tell us what kind of book you would write if you were writing a book. Uh, well, I'm actually doing my uh, PhD right now, so I, I'm, I'm continuing my studies, and uh, um, I, I'm, still, I'm still going to do a study within tennis players and, and uh, you know, managing anxiety and managing all the stress that comes with all the results. But um, I, I don't want to talk too much about the topics yeah. that I'll be, I'll be studying, but I'm definitely very uh, passionate about 
understanding the human mind and, and understanding how how everything works together and, and the best ways that uh, I can help players and coaches, um, you know, work with their own players and for the players, you know, manage their own challenges on the tennis court because, um, yeah, that's something I wish I had when I was a player. I feel like uh, that could have made a huge difference in my life. And um, I think that's kind of the fire that keeps me going. And um, I'm always eager to learn. I'm always like a sponge. <laughs> Ramon, so I, I very I, much enjoy that. Massive respect for the clear passion you have about human performance, always learning, being a lifelong learner for uh, forever, really, and becoming the best we can all be, not just uh, – people in front of you but all of us you know so yeah thank yeah. you thank you sure, yeah, sure. Um, one day i hope to be like her you know yes when yeah. we grow up when Craig. we grow up yeah. maybe we'll be like i don't Rona. know about that if, but if we're I so appreciate lucky it. <laughs> well yeah. uh anything else in the second or should we grow well no. i want to ask her one other question oh I, yes I, I good, still, good. i'm still think, thinking here good. i've got a lot of i'm an inquisitive mind I like tonight I, i'm interested in your tennis channel uh, on court with USPTA because I know you did that roughly for about ten years. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, slightly, maybe under ten. Okay. Um, the show aired on the tennis mm-hmm. channel for maybe over ten years. Right. I was uh, in charge of the production for probably nine years or so, um, and that's where I really had the opportunity to work with so many coaches that came on our show and. Um, you know, kind of basically got to learn their method and their approach to a certain stroke or um, if depending on what the topic was. And I was so grateful when um, during those times, because I was still kind of like trying to figure out, um, you know, which way I wanted to go. Was it more on the um, technical side? Was it more on the tactic side? And, you know, with time, I, I figured it out that mental was really my, my area. But um, I had so much, uh, I'm so grateful for all those opportunities because, like I said, I, I work closely with, you know, Rick Macy, Emilio Sanchez, Mark Bay. Uh, I mean, uh, you name it, Chandler Rubin came on our show, Hank Fister. I mean, we had so many wonderful guests. And like I said, I was a sponge this whole time where I, I really tried to learn from everybody, just their way of, of explaining things. Because, you know, if you think about it, the foundation is the same, but everybody has a different style and a different approach to teaching something. And I think that's what makes us really strong if we keep an open mind and try to not just think that we know everything, but that you keep on growing and, you know, hear what this other person has to say, hear what this, how this other person does it and why does it work for them? Why are some coaches more successful than others? And I think that's what, how you keep growing and you keep that fire alive because you you know, you decide what is it that you want to do. And um, that's kind of how it worked out for me. So, so follow up on that. How many episodes did you do? How many, how many episodes do you think you did in roughly that nine, 10 year mark? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I think want I'm, I'm, to say probably one. like 55, maybe 55. 60. Wow. Yeah. I, I want to say that's, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Cause we did about maybe eight to 10 a year. Um, I think oh, I don't want to, but I think that's, that's, that sounds about right. So definitely a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people think we're just pretty faces, but we do ask <laughs> su- substantial questions from time to time. So that's, I just wanted to let you all know that out there in the viewing, viewing public, but also to, uh, do you recall any, 
you know, tips that might stand out that you might pass on from on court with USPTA? Is there's one that stands out maybe from out of those 55 or 60 that uh, you recall that uh, was uh, very interesting, maybe on the mental side, possibly? Uh, on the mental side, uh, we did a couple with Jim Lear. So Jim Lear is one of my favorites. I mean, I read all his books, so I could probably quote many of them. Um, but uh, we worked on, we had an episode with Jim Lear, and uh, he covered the power of story. Yes. Um, and that was such a powerful episode because, you know, we talked about how, you know, going back to the controllables and not controllables, right? So focusing on the controllables and how we can basically change our lives if we really want to. And if we decide that we want to do that, we can simply just make that decision, decide where where we want to go and how we want to change it and take one step at a time to rewrite our stories and go in that direction. But you have to be honest to yourself and you have to keep yourself accountable because, you can't be expecting to go somewhere really far if you're not willing to put in the work. So um, for me, that, that was very powerful from his work that um, if we wanted to change our story, we, we really needed to put in the work. So uh, that was a, a great experience with, with Jim Lear. Yeah, he, he's uh, the master of the mental mindset. Yeah. I, I, I loved yeah. everything he did. I, I've read a lot of his stuff as well. The 16-second cure. I still oh, yeah. I still use some of that out there on the court. You know, some of the old school stuff is still, for me, you know, it, it still, you know, still works and, and it's still relevant. Uh, I know some people think it's a little old school, but, hey, you know, I'm an old guy. so. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't even that old. That, that was like that late old? 90s. Yeah, yeah Jim Larry, yeah. yeah. No, I like that stuff. Last question about the Encore with USPTA. Can you still find episodes out there? Can you go to USPTA.com? Can you find it on YouTube, Facebook? You know, where, yeah, yeah, you can uh, actually find most of them on TennisResources.com, which is our online library. Um, we also have DVDs that uh, are still available for, for those that want them through our pro shop. So just visit the USPTA Pro Shop and you can uh, search by topic or by presenter's name uh, or you can give me a call and I can walk you through the steps on uh, what topics you want to find. Um, But yeah, they're still available and um, I wish we would uh, go back to redoing, you know, not redoing, but continue those. Uh, We are doing some of that in, in, in the form of courses now, and uh, they're no longer on the tennis channel, but we use them on our library, and they're available to our um, to our current coaches. So, no, I thought they were great. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. they came on about five in the morning. I, you know, every once in a while, I'm, you know, no old guy, be, you know, up and around, and I did I did watch them. I, I thought they were great. I it's, loved them. Uh, it's a lot of them, but uh, uh, the 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 content was absolutely great and brilliant. Uh, uh, I think that, uh, you know, I wish we could get back on Tennis Channel a little bit. Do you think there might be a possibility of USPTA and Tennis Channels, you know, doing a little partnership, collaboration at some point again? I mean, that's always a possibility. We we still work uh, closely with them. Uh, we have some commercials that, uh, you know, that go on Tennis Channel, um, certain projects that we still work together on. But, yeah, who knows what the future holds. Maybe we'll go back to doing something similar just uh, maybe in a different format, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely look to consider that opportunity. Yeah, I thought those were awesome. Like I said, yeah. I, I, they weren't on at five in the morning. I mean, they were definitely on at other times. I was just joking. Well, about we would yeah. get we would get multiple <laughs> replays, so I yeah. think they right. played them like yes. six or eight times throughout the day. Or they something. did, so, they did. I'm just joking uh, about that because it was funny. That I just thought it was kind of funny because I was I did see it one time. I was up, you know, 
Yeah, unfortunately, an old guy. He had up to early. up early one morning and just didn't go to you know couldn't go to sleep. And I'm always watching tennis channels. Yeah, so it it I did catch a couple episodes then at that at that particular point in time. So, but uh, no, good stuff right there. So what strong, do you think? strong. Um, Ramona, you mentioned if if people want to call you, how do they get yep. hold of you with email? Um, USPTA of course dot com. But uh, uh, tell the folks at home how they could they could grab you for uh, for educational opportunities. I mean, easy, like you said, if, if uh, they want to check out our website, USPTA.com. Um, if you'd like to email me directly, it's uh, Ramona.Fusaru at USPTA.org. Um, I'm pretty uh, good with responding to emails right away. So if you have a questions, feel free to reach out. And uh, you can also call our main number and uh, get a hold of me there. So always open to new ideas, future collaborations with anyone that wants to give back to the sport and, um, you know, any future ideas for conferences or events, we're always open to that because we, we do try to, uh, like I said, work together with our members to provide the best um, coaching experience that we can. And uh, and you do, so thank you for that. Uh, Craig yep. Bell, time for the third it's set. Time for the third set. Who are we rolling with? Who's the sponsor besides well, USPTA. the USPTA? Yeah. <laughs> he wore his USPTA Texas hat. I, I left mine in the car. I had it on yesterday, actually. That's right. Bit, That's for, right. Yeah. For a little bit of time, and then uh, had it on the day before, and then uh, tonight I went with the Athenet podcast yeah. hat. But uh, it was good that uh, AJ has his USPTA <laughs> Texas. So we, we do love the USPTA. We're both uh, members and both on the Texas board. Saw Ramon at the executive committee meeting That's a couple right. of weeks ago down Just in the big in Florida, o. yeah. Right. It was a lot of fun. It's good seeing everybody in person again. I mean, it's nice Thanks. to see you on, on the Zoom, but it's it's nicer to see see Ramona in person down there along with uh, about, what, 65 to 70 other professionals down there in the big Yeah, o. that sounds about right. It was the first time we got together since the pandemic, so it was very, uh, very exciting. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, this whole pandemic changed everything. Um, but at the same time, it, it provided some new opportunities and some new open, some new doors. And, um, yeah, we, we try to look at, if you look back, at least I tried to look back at the positive. So, yeah. uh, but it was nice to see everybody back in person and, 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 you know, being together, collaborating and sharing experiences for sure. Yeah. I know it was, it was a tough two years, but you have navigated and opened those doors with a lot of agility and, and of course, you know, caution also, sure. but uh, thank you for, uh, for getting things rolling again. That's well done. Yeah, Thanks. And, and you too. I mean, Texas has done a lot and uh, you guys always do a good job. Your events are so well attended and organized and, um, Really, really good job. Yeah, we have a good, good uh, group. I wanted to make a mention to one of our late members, former members, uh, Paul Christian. Paul Christian, PC, yes. uh, former past president of USPTA Texas, Texas Tennis Hall of Famer. Unfortunately, uh, is at the uh, court in the in the sky these days, and uh, as of uh, yesterday. So, shout out to Paul Christian. He was he gave me my USPTA test back in nineteen eighty really? along with the great Kenny McAllister. Yeah, <laughs> they're up in Oklahoma City. They rude the day that they passed me. Through <laughs> Through, the, through this gate, you know, it's like, oh, we shouldn't have let you uh, in that door. You know, oh, you know, that's actually a funny question. If I yeah. may go off on yeah. a little tangent, you were tested by Paul Christian. Yeah. Ramona, you yeah. were tested in the USPTA by whom? Uh, both by Dave Porter and by Tom Ingram. Oh, oh really? Tommy Ingram, really? yeah. who, who we actually, saw. Tommy, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Tom played a, a major role in, uh, you know, my development as a tester. I uh, shadowed him for 
many tests and kind of worked with him to kind of, you know, when I became a tester to kind of understand how everything works. And um, he was wonderful to work with. And uh, I'd like to say hi to him if he's watching. Well, he's going to rewatch this. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, he's great. Well, Craig and I saw him yesterday at the campus where Paul Christian applied his craft in 1959 through 63 at Texas Christian in, in Fort Worth. We were just there yesterday. And I was actually there today. And... Uh, my tester, I'll round it out, George Bashow. Oh, really? Bit no of a kidding. legend there, too, right? Wow. Yeah. Man. We were tested all by, by yeah, legendary. Legends, all through all three, yeah. Yeah. And you with your own coach besides Tommy Ingram. Did, did he make yeah, a tough yeah. – did, did Dave make it tougher on you because he knew you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> of I course. Mean, not that he knew me, but, you know, if anyone that watches knows Coach Porter, he's he's – his bar is very high, yeah, <laughs> regardless of who you are. So I think when I first tested with him, I mean, I don't think I I went beyond, I don't know if I got a P2 at the time or, I don't know, maybe a P3 on the group lesson or I, I don't remember, but um, he definitely, you know, didn't, didn't uh, whether we were his students or anyone, we were, we were the same. Yeah. It didn't matter to him. And he had the same standard with as a professor. You know, he's a professor, teaches classes, and if any of us would take classes from him, he would treat us all the same, um, the same in practice. It didn't matter if you were number playing one, number one, number six, or number seven. Um, if you were late to practice, it was the same. Everybody was going to run several laps just because one of us was late. So there's just no negotiables with him, and I think that's that's kind of why it stayed with us all this time because you you know you set some foundation and you you understand that if you want to do something, you got to be serious about it. And I personally, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, there's no I in team, you know. On that, yeah, when, when he make everybody run, so that, you know, I was I wasn't ever late, but I was always just kind of pushing the envelope right there at, uh, <laughs> on time. And uh, I'm sure if our coach wasn't like Coach Porter so much, you know, the uh, we we didn't have to run if if somebody didn't show up on time. So, but uh, I, I do like that that standard because that really does set the precedence high and, and makes accountability to to everybody that uh, is around. Like, hey, come on, we, we take this seriously and we want to, uh, you know, work hard when we work hard. And you better get get your act act together, you know, yes. and, and on time. So, but uh, we're ready for the third set. Time for the third. Uh, we mentioned USPTA as a sponsor. Let's also mention. Master Systems, the great right. Blair Descaray. Yes, the great Blair Descaray, who does all sorts of stuff out there in the tennis world, like surfacing courts, uh, doing nets, uh, you name it, Blair does it. Look at Master Systems uh, with the great Blair Descaray. He might even come down to Orlando, you know, maybe do he something will. down, down in Orlando way if, if Ramona needs him to come down. He so. will. They've got a hundred-something courts there, yeah, so yeah. Right yeah, next and, door yeah, <laughs> to the headquarters. And our third sponsor. Oh, yeah, Topa Chico. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we do drink. We uh, have a pretty... We've just recently inked a heavy deal with this beverage We, we did, we yeah. did, yeah. yeah. USPTA Texas also. Yeah, too. We, yeah that too. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ramona. All right, so we're going to do three sets in the third segment also, too, because we do three three sets. Uh, you know, we've already done two sets or segments tonight. So uh, this one, we'll start off with a little music. I know you said you like music. Uh, first band you saw in concert. Are you a band person, you know, concert, that kind of thing? Um, that's a good question. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to remember what my first concert was. I don't think it was a band. I think it was, um, I think it was Justin Timberlake. Oh, really? JT. Wow. Interesting. Where yeah, but that wasn't until later. I think I was probably close to like, I don't know, 19, 20 or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought you might say Backstreet Boys or, you know, somebody like that. You know? Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, I was in, 
Yeah, not, not at the time when I was in high school. I, uh, we, you know, Romania was still. Um, uh, the, it wasn't that easy to to get uh, bands and, and and groups into the country to perform like it is now. So, uh, if anything, it was easier for us if we wanted to go somewhere. Um, but I think that was my first concert. <laughs> so, were, were you like a Euro techno? Band person, you know, kind yeah, of electronic like music. Electronic music, yeah. Do you like the electronic? Like a lot of your, like the stereotypical Europeans, we think of them liking that electronic music. So, were you into that too? I do. I still like it. Yes. Do you really? yeah. um, okay. I don't like the heavy stuff, but right. I do like the more melodic uh, electronic music. Yeah. I can see her dancing, you know, cutting of a rug course. down there at the Big O, probably uh, hanging out at, at the local uh, dance places. I can see that. You know, she didn't. She didn't invite us out there. You know. When we were down there, when you were just uh, there, she just said she just slipped away, you know, and <laughs> didn't see her till the next morning. So I, I, I assume she's probably doing something like that. <laughs> who, who's your favorite band? Who, who do you like right now besides Justin Timberlake? Um, I mean, I have several artists that I like. Um, it really kind of depends on my mood. Um, I like artists with like really strong voices, um, like uh, Adele and Alicia Keys and uh, Mark Anthony. Um, anyone that has like a really powerful, strong voice, and if their lyrics are also pretty meaningful, I, I really like that kind of stuff. Well, now that you're down in Florida, you got like country and western, don't you? Um, yeah, I mean, more than anything, we have in Texas. I did like some of the country music there, yeah. um, but I never got big, big into the concerts. Uh, but I used to go to the rodeo in Houston oh, that's uh, legendary. pretty much every year. So, we, you know, we got to see some of the major artists there. Uh, I think I saw Blake Sheldon one time and uh, Miranda, uh, I can't remember. Lambert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, um, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I yeah, I mean, you. if if they're on the radio, I would listen to them. But um, if if I were to purchase and, and build my own playlist, I would probably have like a song or two from from the countryside. So I got got to ask you: Did you go over to Pasadena to Gillies? Did you ever get, make it over there to Gillies? That's a legendary country honky tonk. They play they both kind of music there: country and western, and, western. <laughs> and three and country western. <laughs> you, did you ever make it to Gillies? Just out of curiosity, I did not. No? Okay. I did not. Hey, you, never, you probably never heard about Gillies, did you? Mm, yeah, I, I can't say that it sounds that it rings a bell. Yeah, no. Okay, there, there was a famous. Uh, what was the one with Richard Gere? Was it Richard Gere? Or, no, uh, back in the late seventies, there was uh, there was a movie. I'll think of it. Ur- Urban, Cowboy. Urban Cowboy. Urban yeah. Cowboy. Look at that. This guy, he's sharp. I'm telling you, he's not just another pretty face. Did you ever see Urban Cowboy? Okay, you'll have to watch that. You have to get, bring that up on the, the old Netflix and watch that. It's pretty. It's a country movie, and it took place basically kind of in Gillies and yeah. Houston in Houston. in the Pasadena area. So it's a stereotypical country and western type show. So if you like country and western, you might like the movie. Actually, it's a pretty pretty decent movie. It's kind of a holds yeah. up. Yeah, it holds up pretty well. Yeah. I've seen a, seen it a time or two since then. But uh, all right, so if, now I always like to ask this question of people because I think it talks about. The, the personalities, all right? And and since she's being a master's in sports psychology, this would probably fit right into that uh, thought process. So if you're in a band, I don't know, you might might be in a band. Uh, you know, AJ sings. You know, I play the glockenspiel. Um, what would you play in the band? Would you be the lead singer? Would you be the bass player, lead guitarist, drummer, piano player? Where, where's uh, Ramona sitting in the band? Hmm, good question. Um, I don't play any instruments. Um I do like piano and saxophone. 
Um, if I were to play one, it would probably be one of those or maybe guitar. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to be more towards the, the lead. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say. Adele, Alicia Keys. I could see Ramona out there. Strong voice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she has a strong voice. Well, I have to confess that when I was in high school, I was a big fan of hip hop, like classic hip hop. Yes. So uh, I used to write my own lyrics, and I was very much into that. (laughs) I I still write my own lyrics (laughs) for for 90s hip hop. Oh, 90s. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, like old school. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The one that actually had meaning, you know? That's right, rather than the, the mumble rap of today. Well, <laughs> the mumble rap hip-hop? Yeah, is there mumble rap hip-hop? They, okay. they kind of call it mumble rap these oh, days. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, yeah. Do, you, do you remember any hip-hops that you've written? Do you remember a lyric or two? Is there anything? No, I don't. No. no. Yeah. Plus, if anything, they would be in Romanian. So. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, right. See, she's, she's going to blow us off. She has stuff, but it's in Romanian. We've heard that before. <laughs> All right. Well, that's funny. Yeah, because I, I always like to ask that question because I think it really says a lot about people's personalities. So we've had a few people who said, hey, I'd like to be lead singer, you yeah. know, and then I've had, we've had a few people, a ah, drummer, you know, maybe, you know, somebody that plays lead guitar. Cause it really, there is a personality kind of test, you know, in, in, uh, that uh, particular type of where you sit in the band, you know, I would say 60 something percent of the, of our guests have wanted to be the lead singer like you. Mm-hmm. So, Only if I would be talented. Otherwise, yeah. I would not go out there. <laughs> I would probably hide in the back somewhere. So, are you a lead singer that's going to jump around the stage a lot and do a bunch of you know acrobatics, aerials, or are you more the subdued kind of behind the piano, like Alicia Keys, you know that kind of person? Yeah, more like you know strong voice, meaningful words, um, yeah, powerful message. That's kind of my thing. Okay, you're not Joan Jett in the Black Hearts or you know that kind of that kind of scene yet. You know, Joan Jett, hard rock, it, punk, hard rock, yeah. punk. It has yeah. the spiked hair. You know, yeah, that, I love no, it. No, I don't think Ramona's like that. Do you? I think she could be. She could be. Yeah. yeah. Well, she said she likes hip hop. I can see her hip hopping around on stage, couldn't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> hopping around. That's funny. <laughs> all right. Second part of the. We're going down to the uh, second set now. Yeah. All right. First paid job. Did Ramona have a paper route over in R- Romania? Did you throw papers? You know, like the Romanian Times out there to the to the folks no. in the in the neighborhood. No. Do you remember no, your first job? Um, I helped my dad with, with his business a little bit, and then I coached. Um, so I would say those were my first two paid jobs, small jobs. Yeah, but yeah. Co- coaching coaching young people in tennis or wrestling? Oh, no wrestling. No wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just know the basics of it. Um, yeah. My dad actually went on to – he transitioned uh, from sports into business, so I – I helped him with his business a little bit, uh, just the basic stuff. But, uh, yeah, some of the coaching. Um, and then, yeah, one thing led to another. And, you know. Yep. Yeah, well, we just had a comment. Uh, John Travolta was an urban cowboy. Yeah. So Rick Eckloff, who's listening right now, uh, gave us the update. So I appreciate uh, Rick Eckloff letting me, me know. John Travolta, you remember John Travolta? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was he was the one of the lead uh, actors in uh, Urban Cowboy. That was uh, right after he was Vinnie Barbarino yeah. on Welcome Back, Connor. <laughs> Mr. Cotta. But well before Pulp Fiction as Vincent Vega. Right. Right. Uh, so and well before uh, Ramona was born, probably. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so she might have to go back and watch the reruns of all this stuff. So <laughs> all this. And in Oklahoma, we call it wrestling instead of wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. It's wrestling up yeah. there north of the Red River. We call it wrestling. Even Greco-Roman, y'all call it wrestling. It's wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a wrestling right there. Uh, favorite movie, TV show. What do you like to watch? 
Um, I don't have that much time these days to watch um, too many of them. Every now and then I would tune in. Um, you know, I liked King Richard, the, the movie that came out recently oh. with uh, the Williams family. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I watched a little bit of, uh, it's an older, I mean, it's been around for a few years. It's called Hannah on Amazon Prime. It's um, a TV show, so I've watched a little bit of that. Um, but, yeah, I don't have um, – unfortunately, right now, it's kind of a challenging time to have too much time for, uh, you know, following a TV series. But I, tr- I try to get on every now and then to at least watch an episode here and there. So is, is there any Romanian content out there? Do you watch, you know, any TV shows? Have you ever, I guess, I guess there's, is there a Romanian Hollywood maybe? Is there some place where they do filming or do it's, you it's, get, it's gotta be Bucharest Wood. Bucharest? Bucharest, Bucharest Wood. Wood. <laughs> is that kind of like Bollywood? Constantia Wood. Constantia. It's, it's gotta be something cool. Well, I don't think they have anything, um, at least not since I left. Uh, I know that now with Netflix, They've opened more opportunities for, you know, creating movies and um, actually the actors have more of a future in that regard. Because I think before it was more towards theater that they had to focus. Um, there weren't a lot of movies being made. Mm. Um, but no, I, I don't have any Romanian TV shows um, that I watch. Um, and there, I don't think there are any on Netflix, to be honest. Um so kind of dry on this on this part. I do like some of the classical sports movies, those, but I'm uh, sure. Like what? Yeah. Just out of curiosity, Caddyshack. You like Caddyshack? That's a classical sports um, movie. Yeah, like Coach Carter. <laughs> okay. Oh yes, yeah, right. so good, Coach Carter. Who's your, uh, Hoosiers? Hoosiers? You like Hoosiers? The basketball? Yeah, Hoosiers. I watched that. I think I watched that uh, when I was in college. Coach Porter recommended it. Um, yeah. Um, Gladiators, another one not sports related, but that's a good one. Um, I bet you like He Got Game because it's sports and hip hop <laughs> in the same two hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did watch some of the documentaries over the years with with different people. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like the life stories of people. Um, I also heard there's a really good documentary about Michael Jordan. But I haven't had a chance to watch that. Yeah, it's, it's called it's called The Last Dance, and we haven't seen it either because mm. it was only on Sunday nights. So us and our biggest fans have never seen it. We just got to no. f- now. You can just queue it up on a Monday morning or whenever you feel like it. So I'll, I'm sure I'll do that. That's interesting. Goodwill, Goodwill Hunting is another one. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, that was yeah. like uh, 1998. Yeah, Oscar yeah. Yeah. winner in '98. Yeah, that yeah, was a good movie. I remember watching that. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. What do you like, uh, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? I like brunch. <laughs> brunch. Oh, a late, a late uh, person who like likes to eat On the weekends, yes. Yes. on the weekends, I like brunch a lot, yeah. Um, if I were to pick br- uh, breakfast, it would definitely be my favorite. get to eat what I want and, you know, the pancakes and a mix of a mix of everything. Definitely That's like brunch. Well, you know why she likes brunch, don't you? Tell it. Because she's getting up late after going out dancing 
you know, at all night in Orlando. Right. She does all that hip hop dancing. So she comes in late and then now all of a sudden she's eating brunch. She, she misses breakfast, you know? So it's a brunch deal, right? See, am I, I'm just, I'm outing you. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. You know, I just have, that was a, maybe, maybe when I was in my twenties. Yes. But oh, now I'm a little bit okay. older, so I don't really uh, make that a priority anymore. That was a quintessential Craig, uh, uncle, uh, Craig. uncle Craig. Uncle uh, Craig. Yeah. They call me uncle CB on our brothers at the net, uh, podcast we do uh, brothers on tennis yeah. which are a couple of guys out of california bryce and isaac shout out to those guys so yeah, we started started collabing with uh, those guys uh, a couple of times now so i i have a new character called uncle yeah. craig or uncle cb yeah. so. <laughs> so funny all right uh, favorite junk food what what do you like to eat junk food wise i'm, I'm interested yeah. to see what your junk food is mm, i don't uh, i like uh, i mean i'm i try to eat pretty healthy so i don't eat a lot of junk food I love desserts, though. Oh, right. no, Dessert is yeah. my weakness. Yeah. Pastries and uh, desserts. You know, cheesecake is my favorite. Uh, all kinds of pastries. I also like to bake, so I bake my own over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, that's great. Yeah, very much uh, into that. Not so much into the junk like hamburgers or french fries. or uh, I would do pizza every now and then. Um but yeah, more on the sweet side. Desserts any any time. <laughs> really? Is there a Romanian dessert that you make that uh, you know is pretty good? Do you think? I'm trying yeah, to. Yeah, I mean they're they're all very good in my opinion. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, tell us I one. Just love desserts. So, um, I uh, yeah, I actually made it for uh, like before Easter. We had uh, it's like a cheese pie with uh, filo dough and oh. uh, just just uh cheese in between the yeah. and it's yeah it's wonderful the, the, the times i was in romania i remember you guys love fruits nuts like sour cherries and then i drank something called vicinata is that uh yeah, I'm pronouncing yeah. it okay and yeah. that was unbelievable that was so Vichy good yeah. i mean it's very sour but yeah. also sweet but also a little alcoholic and uh that would be a, a cheat day thing for sure yeah it's uh Craig, it's uh, made out of sour cherries, and it's uh, basically like uh, AJ said, it's it's sour, but it, I think it has sugar in it and then some alcohol. So it's a combination, and it's very strong. You can't, you only have like a little glass. Oh, oh that's wow. what I did wrong. <laughs> oh, oh, that's man. what happened. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's why I played so well the next day. That's huh? right. You drank one of these, right? Yeah. That's I it. played beautifully. So creative. I was nostalgia the next day. Right. It's crazy. They served you into the American yeah. glass. Right. <laughs> oh, American guy. We'll give him a Oh, a, yeah. We'll give him a pint. Right, yeah, right. Give, give, give him the uh, grande. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, so, that's that's pretty common. Yeah, to the first time or so. You, yeah. you learned after that, right? Yeah. This is delicious. Yes, I'll have another. Yes. Yeah, this goes down really smooth. <laughs> da, yeah. da, I'll have another. <laughs> all right, speaking of food, all right, we always like to ask this question. This is one of our standard questions. Some dinner guests that uh, you would invite maybe to to your house or someplace uh, uh, that you would like to get uh, maybe four or more dinner guests. You know, we, AJ know no, we'd be invited, you know, obviously. And then, uh, so it can be anybody, you know, from the start of time all the way, you know, forward. It could be somebody in movies. It could be somebody in the metaverse. Yeah, you, you know, metaverse, anybody, you know, literary characters. Yeah. Dinner for four. Right. 
And who, who, who are you having over? Right. Who are we having over to, to join us in the convivial conversation? That's a really good question. I haven't thought about that in a, in a long time. I think I, I had this uh, conversation with a friend many years ago, but it's been a while that I've thought about this topic. So, yeah, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I would definitely say Roger Federer uh, <laughs> and Rafa and probably Djokovic. Um, and that only leaves uh, room for one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have as many as you want. We don't yeah. care. Yeah. You can, yeah. It's, it's your party. Um, Kim Kleisters, I think. Oh, love Kimmy. Yeah, Kim? that would oh. be a good one. I would love to have a chat with her and just kind of pick her brain and about her career and her life and everything. Um, maybe she and Djokovic could, uh, before having dinner, maybe they could see who's more flexible sliding into a shot or something. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Kleisters can um, do the splits. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. It's amazing how far, yeah. even Joker. I mean, that's yeah, both of them. Yeah. So a couple yeah. other people, any other, any other folks that may be out there? Yeah. That, how about uh, somebody from outside the sport yeah. of the great game of yeah. tennis? Maybe I would have loved to get to know Kobe Bryant. Oh, yes. Um, I um, I got to meet him one time um, at a basketball game. One of my friends, uh, she she worked for them. Um, so just briefly introduced, had a small talk. Um, but I watched a lot of his interviews, and he was he just seemed such a knowledgeable individual on so many different levels, like like a deep understanding about life and. Um, he talked about the challenges that he had as, as, you know, as a player and how he, he, um, you know, moved on to, I think when he was younger, he lived in Europe for a while in Italy, played in Italy and spent there some time. And, um, you know, I kind of found myself in his story because, you know, when I moved here, it's not like I knew a lot of people either. So, uh, just kind of him going through that experience and, you know, how it felt to not know the language very well and kind of accustoming to, to the different culture and understanding the tradition and the, 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 you know, the habits that people have, which was very similar to me. So, yeah, I think he's, uh, it's unfortunate what happened to him, but, uh, you know, it, it makes you think twice about every single moment that we Moments, have yeah. Yeah. what to do with it. So definitely a, a special person. So at this uh, soiree or party hoedown, you know, you know, what shindig, what are you, what are you serving? What do we, what are we having for, for dinner? Just out of curiosity, we haven't, having a large Romanian festival. Kimmy, or? Kobe, Novak. Yeah, I know. What do we eat? Rafa, Roger. That's a good question. See, I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I would definitely want to cook some Romanian food and, and you know, have them try it and get some, uh, some opinion and feedback on it. Um, I love Italian food, so maybe some of that as well. Some appetizers. Um, I'm sure Kobe can help you cook some of that, having grown up over there. And then definitely a good dessert, like yeah, cheesecake, there, there or cheesecake or something, and um, yeah, or a tiramisu or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. So we heading down? We're heading down tomorrow, right? Well, Rafa is going anyway. No, right. I'm going to go. I'm going to have a good time with Ramona. No, I'm going to ask her for vicinata. Ah, it's going to be great. No, Ramona, thank you very much. That's, oh. that's perfect. Your accent is spot on. Well, no, Novak, are you coming too? She said Novak. You know. 
both on the court and off the court, Craig, I have a lot of commitments this next month, so it's going to be hard to make uh, uh, okay. make the dinner in Florida, but uh, I hope to go to uh, Paris soon, Craig. And, and thank, and you. thank you. <laughs> Novak's a little more serious, right? <laughs> See, yeah. We crack ourselves up. Great, Sorry great about talent, that. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's got a couple you're more. Quite, uh, you're quite well rounded. <laughs> <laughs> round is, is the word. It's round. I'm round over here. Sorry. A little bit round over here, too. Yeah. I mean, your pronunciation yeah. sounds pretty good. I mean, it's not easy to get the R's and the, the vowels, you know, to really uh, pronounce them well. So. Nice job. Oh, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Thank you. <laughs> East Coast, West Coast in the U.S. East Coast, West Coast in the U.S. I like them both. Um, no, come I on. I definitely like California to yeah. go visit. Oh, yeah. and there are so many places that I still want to check out on the West Side. Uh, I've seen a lot on the East Side. Uh, still plenty of places that I want to see. I love to travel. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I could pick one. I would love to experience the West Side, like live there for a few months and see how it is. Um, but right now I'm here. So. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like I'm getting closer and closer to Europe. You know? To like- East, yeah. <laughs> Hawaii, Texas, Florida. Right. Bermuda. That's right. Or something, Bahamas maybe. Right. And then Azores and then uh, actual Europe. Right. Yeah. Now we, we want yeah. you hanging here. You stay here. Now, mountains or beach? You like the mountains or the beach better? Well, I'm going to be boring again with, I like them both. Yes. But, um, I do like them both. I mean, I spent so much time by the beach, obviously in Hawaii and, and here, and I love it. Um, but I also like my time in the mountains, especially when it's, you know, like springtime, fall time. Um, I'm not big into uh, winter sports, so uh, I haven't done a lot of that. But um, yeah, I find mountains and like waterfalls and, and lakes very peaceful and very uh you know recharging so it really depends i think on the time of the year and what my mood would be like <laughs> now, what i would be looking for now i'm going to divert off here because i did a little research on you uh-huh. and you said that uh, you like the beach somewhat and you're in hawaii and i know that byu hawaii is fairly close to the bonsai pipeline and you said you like Ooh. to surf have you ever been to the bonsai pipeline and done any surfing there I did go there, um, but just to watch. <laughs> really? You didn't get out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I surfed, you know, as a beginner. Uh, I, I was able to stand and take a couple waves, but I'm not any close to what someone that would ride on Bonsai Pipeline, pipeline would be. I mean, those waves are huge, and you need some skills, so... Um, I'm not the type that would just like venture myself to like get injured and <laughs> throw myself into, you know, a place where I could not get out. So yeah, I took it uh, as a progression, you know, step by step. <laughs> what? Smart. Now, speaking of somebody who takes risks, you know, skydiving, hang gliding, wakeboarding, and parasailing also too. Now I that see seems like uh, a, a very interesting career path. I don't know if Coach Porter knew about that, <laughs> you know, back in the day at BYU-Hawaii. So when Coach Porter rewatches this, he's going to say, you know, Ramona, I didn't know about those those interests there. And if I would have known that, I might have, you know, kept her, you know, in the dorms at BYU-Hawaii instead of going out there. So tell us about those kind of interests. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by that because I know you seem like you know a very put together person but yeah, that's, that's way off you know the the rails kind of so to speak 
Well, I uh, I tried those things after uh, I graduated. I think it was probably my mid twenties, late twenties. Um, I do like adrenaline for sure. Uh, oh wow! I'm I'm very intense, <laughs> and I like competition and a challenge. So, um, like the surf part was. Like I said, I, I love to try it, but I would have not, you know, thrown myself into such a dangerous place where there's such heavy waves. But with skydiving, you know, I uh, had a friend who did it uh, in Houston and she, you know, talked me into it after like a year. Every day she would be like, you got to go, you got to go. Come on, you got to try it. So eventually I went and, and, you know, tried it, but I jumped with an instructor. So you're attached to that person. So he's the one controlling everything. Um, yeah, it was pretty uh, a pretty unique experience. <laughs> um, then the hand gliding, I tried it in Brazil, um, and that was probably one of the. I would definitely do that one again. I don't know about the uh, skydiving, but hand gliding was pretty pretty impressive. Um, we took off right outside of Rio uh, in wow. in the forest. Oh my and, goodness! Yeah. Um, yeah, from that mountain, and yeah. then we landed on the beach uh, on uh, i think it was the maybe copacabana or or another one that was right next to it it was just amazing the, the view was just outstanding and i would definitely do that one again <laughs> was that with an instructor was that one of the you know, with, no yeah you have to jump with an instructor okay. if you've never done it before yeah but the pair sure. but the pair pair uh sailing did you do I mean, i'm not uh, parasailing but the hang gliding was hang gliding with uh with an instructor so uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That is yeah. by yourself. That would be probably a little tough. Yeah. You first, have right? to understand how the wind goes. It's very dangerous. I, w I would never okay. even venture to try it on my own. <laughs> wow. That, what about bungee jumping? What is that the next thing that you're nah, going to do? No, that's now? not really my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I mean, you, you've been skydiving. It's all yeah. similar. It's and all she's similar. not into the bungee. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, with the bungee jumping, uh, to me, it seems like there's more of a, like, an imp not impact, but there's more of a, uh, I don't know, an intensity on the body, on your on your neck. I have issues with my neck. I, I don't want to try that. But skydiving, <laughs> it's, a, it's a free fall. So there's just air underneath you, and, you know, they, they twist you around, and then it's the parachute. So there's no, uh, I didn't feel like it was a, a off on my body or anything, but yeah, I would not do the bungee jumping. They can hang you upside down where you go down, straight down, you know, and you can touch. I've heard them. Uh, one of my friends said, they, do you want to touch the water, you know, kind yeah. of deal or not touch the water? They can engineer. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, no, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually pretty mm -hmm. adventuresome, but I don't know about that. I, you know, cause they, they hook you up, I think, to your ankles, basically, and you just go, whee. Down yeah, there. there's many different yeah. types. Yeah. I think yeah. some of them, they even have like a. Uh, a thing around your waist yeah. and they just drop you and you could do it that way but i cannot imagine the impact it has on your yeah. spine i mean yeah. i would not want uh, to take those risks Ramona, i've had so I, many injuries i don't need any more <laughs> i must tell you i did the one it's a body harness and I feel like I grew an inch. Did you really? And I served bigger the next day. <laughs> I, my shoulder was wow. amazing. So you may have to go do this, Rona. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so you went from 6'1 to 6'2? <laughs> I think 6'0 to 6'1. Oh, maybe. okay. Maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, now we're going to work this back over to uh, weather and that kind of thing. Favorite season? So, are you a winter person? Because growing up in Romania, you probably had some winters over there: spring, summer, fall. What's uh, what's uh, Ramona? Uh, well, 
when I, you know, when you live in, in a four season country, I think you like all of them. And, you know, you obviously look forward to the summer and the winter brings the snow. So there's like some excitement to all of it. But ever since I moved here, uh, to be honest, I'm having a tough time with cold. Um, I think I'm just not, you know, like when you live there, you're like putting on all these jackets and you, you're kind of prepared. I think I'm just not prepared when it gets cold here and I, I feel like I'm cold, but I think I'm just being not prepared yeah. or lazy. <laughs> so uh, I seem to be a little like, yeah, on the cold side. So I don't enjoy the cold that much, but um, that doesn't mean that if I wanted to go to like Colorado or Utah, I wouldn't enjoy the snow because I probably would. Mm. Um, I also like the spring and the fall. So I think each, each one, I, I enjoy it uh, depending on, you know, the season and what's going on in my life at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite holiday? Last question of the second set here. Favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. Um, you-, to, you know, either I used to I used to be able to go uh, see my family um, for Christmas, spend time with them. Um, with COVID, it wasn't uh, possible recently, but um, I'm sure I'll be able to do that. Um, yeah, I think it's a special holiday, and I, I enjoy it. Which uh, Which city uh, do your parents live in back in Romania? It's a, a small city on the east side. East, okay. So Black Sea area, like far east. No, um, Constanza is more on on the closer to the. You know, it's by the Black Sea, and it's more down south. Yeah. We're um, high higher on the east side. I see. Yeah. Uh, of the holiday, I know you said Christmas. Are you more like a Hawaiian Christmas, which it doesn't <laughs> celebrate the cold weather, embrace the cold weather, or are you more like the Romanian, where you have the the snow and you know the that that type of scene? Are you more the warm weather Christmas or the colder traditional, what we think of as Christmas, probably. You know, in in the in the states, I think I would like them both. Um, like, I think for Christmas, it's all about family and being with the people that you love. And I think, regardless, I, wherever we would be, I would enjoy it either way. And I think I would like both to try the cold, which I've done many times, and then go and and be you know in a tank top and flip flops on and yeah. go to the beach the next day. So yeah, I think both of them would be wonderful. Um, just more time with family is always great. The best. I wonder if it's ever snowed in Orlando. Has it ever snowed in Orlando? Does it ever get? I think, I think, bare, you know, like Maybe. on the surface side, yeah, little, just, just some little flakes. flakes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just not, not a lot. That. Yeah. No, I didn't think that, I didn't know if weather got down that far down south. I, I don't think not. they need Probably. snow plows. No. Like here. <laughs> like we actually get snow sometimes up sometimes, here. Yeah. So it's like when they say, oh my God, it snowed in Florida, it's flurries. It's flurries. It, it cannot <laughs> be what we're getting. <laughs> All right. Let's round this into the third set now. We're rounding the, the corner here, bringing it home. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm interested to see. What was your first racket growing up in Romania? What what, yeah. what was your first racket? Did you have a Romanian racket, or there, you know, or did you have a traditional? Like yeah, was it Wilson? Gra- was it graphite or metal? Or it probably wasn't wood. You're not uh, old enough to remember that one. No, I think I t- I had a wood racket you at did. first. At the very first, when I first uh, you know had a racket in my hand, I think it was a wood racket. Really? Yeah, but I cannot remember the brand or anything. Um, and then I think I had a Donai. Oh, oh really? Donna okay, from really. Belgium, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did you have the Borg model? You know, the Donna Borg? You know, I, I can't remember. I'm trying to think if I, like, I have a picture, but I don't think I do. And I'm trying to think what colors it had. Yeah. I think it was maybe like purple. Oh, yeah. Okay. Silver and purple, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. So this must have been in the 90s. Yeah, By right. then it was all graphite. Right. Yeah, but I do right. remember a purple Donna. You do? It was either synetic, pro synetic, or pro one. One of those. I, I definitely love Donna. I, I still have a few. Yeah. Well, AJ, AJ seems to know his, uh, his oh. sticks. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh no. He's got a bunch yeah, of them. Uh, you're a geek with rackets, too. But well, I, I just I, remember Donna Borg. I might. Yeah. I think I have one in the back. Oh, yeah. There, oh. In, the, in the closet that uh, we still have. Uh, Bjorn even signed it. Yeah. But he signed every, all of them <laughs> in production at that time. <laughs> all right. Uh, what's your racket of choice today? I'm just interested. Yeah. What, what do you, do you get what, to what use you play now? With today? Now? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, burn. Wilson Burn. Wilson Burn. Oh, really? Interesting. Are you are yeah. you a larger head or yeah one one hundred or which which one hundred eight one hundred five ninety five? I think it's a hundred. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like you know I, I hit the flat ball most of the time, but I also like to have control. So a combination of you know spin and and control. Uh, those those have been my types of rackets in the past. I played with uh, Babylon before and. Um, head as well so yeah. yeah i like i like both I, I like to have good control as well um before going big <laughs> <laughs> indoor tennis outdoor tennis what, what do you like well because of my playing style i obviously prefer a faster pace so indoor is always great <laughs> um growing up i you know we didn't really have these types of facilities so we would practice in the gyms um, and whatever the gym of that school would have, that's, that, that was the surface that we would play on. And, uh, yeah, we, we, I even played on like wood surface and yeah. all kinds of things. And yeah, the faster, the better for me, wow. you know, big, big surf, big forehand. You're like this guy. <laughs> same. Over. There we go. Same, yeah. Man, <laughs> one, one shot, man. That's it. Let's hit it. Let's, let's not extend these rallies out here. Yeah. I've played on wood before, but I only like it when I'm serving. I, I don't want to return on that. That's rough. Oh, I like it. That's chip. Man. Actually, yeah. I, I enjoy returning on. Really? As well. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the returns. So, so speaking of kind of, there might, this might happen on a wood surface, most embarrassing moment in the great game. We call tennis the great game. So have you had an embarrassing moment? I've had several uh, that I can, I can recall. And we've, I've asked this question to several people. Also yeah. too. It's some funny, funny stuff. Do you recall a, a situation or maybe uh playing that maybe was pretty funny or embarrassing? Trying to think. Um, I think, I don't know how funny it was, but it was pretty uncomfortable to me. Um, <clears throat> I was actually at a tournament in Ukraine, uh, in Odessa, and it was an ITF tournament and um, red clay. And somehow I managed to fall every single match. <laughs> and I hurt my knee, like I scratched my knee so bad that because, you know, falling day after day just got worse every single time. So I actually made it to the finals. And by the time I got into the finals, like the wound was so big and, you know, <laughs> didn't look good. And every time I would sweat, it would bleed and it would like drip down my leg. And it just, it just 
it was very uncomfortable because I would have to like clean it on changeover and yeah. So I they they took these pictures of me. I ended up actually winning the tournament. Yes. Um, against a funny story. Now that you ask, um, against one of the girls that uh, was on the BYU team. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Teammate, yeah. and you beat her in the final. Yes, and. Uh, I, I have these pictures from from playing in that tournament, and you know they all have this major dripping of blood on my <laughs> leg, and it just it just looks like I was a gladiator. Yes, <laughs> she's tough. This lady's strong. I'm telling she's you, she's solid. Yes, solid is a rock right there. Yeah. Man, you wouldn't get, wouldn't get to fight with her. You know? No thanks. Yeah, and I think I think it took like two months for the wound to heal mm-hmm. because it was so deep and. I don't know if it got infected or what, but it was like pretty deep. And I, the scar is even today, like it's pretty obvious. So. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that funny, but it was uncomfortable and oh. definitely memorable. No, that's a great story. That's, yeah. that's a really great it's story. It's from falling and diving and yes. just, I can just see. going for Actually, every ball. Actually, it wasn't because it wasn't like my style wasn't going long slices no. or anything. It was just. I think I just slipped somehow every single time (laughs) from moving and changing direction or something. I don't know. Every match. That's that's a great story. Uh, Is is that your favorite tournament then? What's your favorite tournament? Did this tournament? One of the the favorites for sure. Um, I think I was maybe 16 or so. And then um, I think winning that tournament put me like, a uh, hundred and something ITF. So, it, you know, bombed my ranking pretty, pretty good. And I felt good after that tournament. So yeah, it's definitely a good memory. Yeah. If you, if you could win a tournament, you know, like a grand slam, which one would you want to win? What's your favorite grand slam? Basically, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would love to eat to, to win either one yeah. <laughs> really. But uh, if I had to choose one, um, probably Roland Garros. Interesting. That was, On the court. That was the first. Uh, that was the first Grand Slam venue that I visited when I was eight years old. Wow. And yeah, uh, my first trip internationally, also. And I just have that big memory of you know, like, oh my gosh, this is like Roland Garros. It was you know the dream of any tennis player. It's like. One day, maybe I will get to the main draw and, yeah. and you know, get to advance. And, um, yeah, I think it's because it's so close to home and red clay. Yeah, that's probably one. Of, that would be a top choice. Awesome. But I wouldn't be complaining if I had another chance now to play on any of them. <laughs> Favorite Romanian tennis players? Uh, Virginia Ruzic? You know, maybe uh, Monica Nicolescu, maybe Ian Tiriak, maybe Ilya Nastasi. <laughs> who's your Who's your favorite tennis player? We were just joking about. It could I be think, a Romanian. Um, I liked Irina Sperlea. Oh yes, um, yeah, a lot. She had the Steffi Graf uh, style of play, and um, you know, when I was a junior, she was uh, on the pro tour, and you know, she was an inspiration to many of us. Um, and yeah, it was funny because I, I you know, pl- I played at the facility where she would train and, you know, we would get, take pictures with her and, you know, as a junior, you always want to be like the older one. So uh, yeah. yeah, she was also a very nice person as well. So I would say that she was, uh, she's probably one of my favorites. And now, you know, we have Simona and, uh, 
Boriatico, who's also my generation. Oh, amazing dubs player. Yeah, he's remarkable. So uh, very proud with, with what Romanian tennis has grown into and, uh, you know, the opportunities that now the players have, which, uh, you know, maybe didn't exist in the past. And um, it's nice to see that the, all the hard work that they put in, it's now finally paying off and there are opportunities for them um, because, you know, there's so much that goes into it and it's nice to see that the work is paying off. Who's your favorite uh, non-Romanian tennis player? Uh, current or from yeah, the past? Doesn't matter. Just who do you like? Besides Roger Federer, the legend. Yeah, everybody, the everybody likes the king. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? I mean, I like. I, I mean, I like Roger for who he is, yeah. and you know the everything that he has brought to the game. I, I very much still enjoy watching him play. Hopefully, he will return. Uh, but I also like Rafa. I, I like each one for certain things. Um, Definitely like Rafa for his determination and, you know, that, that spirit that he has and the attitude that he brings on the court, whether he wins or loses, it doesn't seem to matter. You can never tell if he's winning or losing. Um, Joke is, you know, has overcome so many different adversities and everything that he's been doing and making a difference on his own, uh, in his own country and through his foundation. Um, there's so many. I mean, on the women's side, I like Iga now. She's, I think she's going to be the next, uh, you know, wonder wonder player on the female side. I mean, she's been winning, I think, four tournaments already. Um, and she has such a, you know, humble attitude and just is, is in there for the right reason. She doesn't care about the, you know, the pictures and the fashion and all the popularity that comes with the results. I really respect that for, for her. I respect her for that because she's also young and she seems like she's prioritizing the right things. And, you know, there's so much time for all the other rest. You know, it's, it's your time to really focus on the game. And I really like her. What about yeah. Nick Kyrgios? You like Nick Kyrgios? Um, I like certain things of his game. You know, I wouldn't say that he's, he would be, when I say that I like a player, it's usually like a, you know, a collection of things. It's it's his playing style, who he is on, the, or who she is on the off the court, the things that they stand for. So uh, you know, some of the things that he does are a little different, and I think there's room for everybody. And um, I, I wouldn't say he's my primary choice, but I do enjoy his um, talent. He's very talented. The, the shots that he produces is he's so much fun to watch, and I think he's also going to eventually turn into a different person as he you know matures and has more experiences and uh, eventually i think we will see a, a, few, a different nick uh maybe in a few years nick uh, would you like to play some mixed doubles with ramona mate uh you call yourself a journalist mate piss off next question <laughs> she's too good for me mate yeah uh sorry we set you up on that that that's i, I couldn't resist so I, I i amuse amuse us sometimes with uh voices and uh you know you probably like andy murray too would you andy would you like to play mr mixed doubles with uh, ramona um i mean yeah it's, it's great i i haven't played lots of mixed doubles but i'd be delighted ramona if, if you'd like to a uh, partner at some local local event. <laughs> no. That's pretty good. Well, that's pretty that's good. Impressive. I'm telling you, he's got he's got a really <laughs> wide range there. Yeah. 
Any superstitions or rituals? Did you have any superstitions or rituals that, uh, you know, uh, Coach Porter had to uh, say, ah, Ramona, don't be doing that. You know, don't, be, don't be going back there and swinging that racket against the fence or, you know, hitting, the, hitting your partner in the, in the back with a serve or something like that to wake them up. Yeah, that was definitely not a superstition. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I had the typical uh, superstitions that every tennis player has with, you know, if you're going to a restaurant, going to the same table, mm-hmm. sitting in the same chair, um, you know, maybe on on the way to a turn, like if, if we have to ride the car on the way to the facility, I would probably want to sit in the same place. Um, all the stuff that's very common, nothing, yeah. nothing outrageous, I would say. But with time, I realized, um, actually, as I got older, Sometimes I would try to do the opposite <laughs> to see if I would actually lose just because of that. I love and, it. And uh, it turned out that, you know, it had zero, <laughs> zero impact on my end result. So I think eventually I, I got out of that on my own. That's so smart. You did A-B testing on your own superstitions and, and it worked. Well, you know, you, you, you didn't need to fall down every match in order to win the tournament because that's a superstition, I think. So you did that as a superstitious, right, kind of yeah, deal. Maybe, you need to fall down every match. The, yeah. Maybe on the unconscious level, that's maybe right. I did that and I don't know. Yeah, that's great. Sub, sub, subconscious. That's right. See? Yeah, I was just thinking that right there, see, you know. All right, last three questions, then yes. we'll let you go, all right? What sport would you have played if it wasn't for the great game? What, what sport would you be involved with probably as a young Romanian player? Um, I like basketball, so I, I, I played a little bit. Um, you know, as a junior player, uh, we we focused a lot on complementary sports. So tennis was the primary sport, but – focused on on playing other sports to kind of give the conditioning the all the other components that I needed for for keeping it fun and, and having more exposure to different sports so basketball was was one of my favorite ones uh, although I didn't enjoy the physical contact as much because it was such a big difference um, but that's one that I would probably enjoy and I enjoy watching it also um, volleyball. I, I would say also, um, I have some soccer skills a little bit. I like to to play soccer too, and um, maybe track, like like yeah, like uh, like uh, what do you call it? The fast uh, sprint. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. meter dash. Yeah, yeah, I, I like those because it would be like fast, intense, and you're done. <laughs> Uh, you're tall too. I bet yeah. you'd, you'd go. Uh, yeah, I'm not that fast. I had to work hard to be fast, but I, got, <laughs> I would enjoy it. <laughs> I can see you're doing pole vault too. Yeah, like a lot of them are built like you and getting up and over. So, such a great uh, discipline. Yeah, I don't know about that field. one. I feel like that's a tough one. <laughs> He's the same boat the a national tough, staff. Um, skill to master. Well, first you do bungee jumping, then we'll go pole vault. It's very similar. I've heard she's the Usain Bolt of the uh, USPTA national staff. You know, she can beat, uh, you know, easily beat Fred Viancos and John, oh, yeah. John Embry, <laughs> Embry, all those people in races down yeah. there. I hear they, they race all, all, this, all the time over to uh, the national headquarters and at USTA. I don't know about that. <laughs> Actually, Fred is still pretty quick. Is he? I don't know about John. Do you, do you ever Fred's hear Fred? not too bad. Do, do you still play tennis with Fred? Does Fred get out and... Hit any not, balls as with much, no. not as much. We used to get out there, play some bubbles, um, but... I think that, you know, with the pandemic and everything, 
um yeah we just haven't been out there that much yeah. but they're both great i mean john is an excellent player yeah um so is fred and yeah i mean i wish we would get out there more to play some doubles but uh we just need to make the time well, de- definitely yeah. tell them both we said hi. I know yeah. Fred always laughs because he, he when he talked to us, he remembered that I was the first uh, person he's met as an adult who watched him play when he was on the tour. Like oh, I, really? I was in yeah. the was crowd the open, watching him. Not at the Open, but uh, uh, WCT she, Tournament of Champions near the, the Open Forest Hill. in Queens, New York. Yeah. Right. Forest Hills, yeah, yeah, west side. Yeah. So I saw him play with Karita, Eric Karita. Oh, doubles. that's right. That's yeah. right. I remember and, that. And I still haven't talked to Karita about Not it. That. I see Karita once yeah. a month. Yeah. You remember Eric Karita, the big serving uh, guy from uh, the, the U.S.? Yeah, from Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. Chicago. And he played it here at SMU, too, in Dallas. And he can sing falsetto. He's he, he, unbelievable. You, this guy that's a massive mountain of a person can sing falsetto. He is a necrezut oh. singer, this he, guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right, last two questions. Yeah. Being involved with USPTA, that you know, basically is involved in the great game. If you weren't involved in sport, let's say as you are right now, heavily, what would you be doing right now? Like not coaching any other sport? Doesn't matter. Mm. You know, you're involved in the great game, and you know, oh. right now. So if you weren't involved in tennis or you know sports in general, let's say, would you be? What would you be doing? Do you think? If you well, I think. Tennis? Um, if I wouldn't be involved in tennis, I would definitely be involved in a sport. I think okay. I would, I would help. Um, I would try to help athletes with like their, uh, physical development. I, I actually enjoy that very much. Just laying the foundation about, uh, you know, just athleticism in general. Um, if not, I, uh, because of all the injuries that I've had as a player and the, you know, the way I was built and although I was pretty strong, uh, you know, from like naturally, I, I struggled with so many injuries. Mm. Um, I always had issues with like ro- rolling ankles. I had a knee surgery when I was like 16. I mean, I've had all the injuries, you, na- you name it, anything joint related, I had it. And that gave me an opportunity to like really um, want to learn about recovery and prevention. And I think if I wouldn't do that, I would probably be on the those kind of things. Uh, I very much enjoy that as well. Still around the great game or still kind of in, in some games and some, yeah. some sport. Sporting, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I, I cannot yeah. see myself do anything different. I mean, I just, that's just yeah. not, <laughs> I don't know if I would enjoy it as much. And uh, yeah, of course the mental side, which hopefully I'll continue and, and, you know, become the best that I can be in that, in that area as well. So I know you said your dad was involved in athletic. Was your mom? I just I'm curious right now, just yeah. to go down a different rabbit hole for a couple of seconds. Was your mom involved in in any type of sport, or how did they meet? Just out of curiosity. No, she she wasn't involved in sports. Um, she uh, is a pharmacist, and uh, she liked sports, but never really played them. And uh, um, yeah, they met uh, when they were younger, and you know. Um, they've been married for 50 years. <laughs> wow. wow. So, yeah, I have a great uh, model uh, to follow. And, uh, yeah, she's just been, you know, supporting my dad when she was, when he was competing and then coaching. And then she, she traveled with me when I played. So she was around us and, and supporting us the best that she could, but she never played uh, the sports. She 
she just enjoyed watching it and uh, yeah, never really got into uh, the action of it. She took just care- enjoyed it from the outside. I was going to say, she took care of everybody's pain needs, you know. Oh, yeah. As being a pharmacist, exactly. she could probably <laughs> help uh, your dad, you know, probably be a little less pain, you know, in pain. So if he was wrestling a lot, like he sounds like he was in yeah. competing, I'm sure there were some opportunities for uh, some medication, some slight medication that might. Uh... Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> wrestling is, a, especially yes. the Greco-Roman, yes. is the, you know, the traditional type with no uh, gear of, of protection of any kind. It's very tough on the body. and. Mm. It's, you know, the trainings that they do are very, uh, yeah, I mean, you get, you can't get to a high level without putting in that kind of work and it obviously damages your body. So um, just like with any high performance sport, you know, some of them are tougher on the body than others. And yeah, it's part of, it's part of the journey. (laughs) Last question about your dad. What, what? weight did he wrestle at i'm curious about that also too did because there are different weight classifications do you remember what what uh, what was his uh yeah 60 68 kilograms okay what's that AJ? so that's 190 something like that like, okay. it, i mean it's it's a fairly large guy or 180 uh, no. 180 um, no yeah let's look it up yeah let's look it up <laughs> I, can't, I can't do the yeah. math on that so. i mean it's definitely under 200 it's under 200 okay yeah yeah. So he's pretty so strong. It's 149. Oh, that's uh, smaller than I thought. Okay. Okay. Wow. He yeah. must be strong. But he had he had to drop weight in okay. order to make that category. So he was coming from, you know, like his regular weight would have probably been like 74, 75 oh, kilograms. And okay. he would have to drop weight to fit the 68 category every single time. And that's another if you ask any wrestler or boxer that has to fit in, you know, make a certain weight before every competition or before every match is, uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> you're starving yourself and then you have to fight and it's, it's very, very challenging. So, you know, I think part of it where I, I kind of got this uh, mentality of, of, you know, like there's no excuses. I mean, <laughs> I used to say that, like, when you go in there and, and fight with, with those people, like, there's a the risk that, you know, you could die or they could get, like, really injured in tennis. We're just like, I'm here and the opponent <laughs> is over there. Like, the only thing that can happen is either mm-hmm. she can hit me with the ball by yeah. accident or I would slide and fall. But yeah. the on, on the wrestling uh, field, yeah. you know, it's like... It's it's tough. It's yeah, tough. yeah. With tennis, the worst thing you can get is a a, a knee with blood dripping down. That's, that's, <laughs> you can't even catch COVID Pretty in much, tennis. So right? no yeah. excuses there. That's right. <laughs> so last question about your dad: Can he still fit in the sixty-eight kilogram category? No, not anymore. No, uh, and he, he doesn't miss that either. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> too, many, to, too many desserts that Ramona's making. See, that's his daughter making all these desserts. Love it. Yeah. So, all right. Last question. Here we go. Yeah. Last question because we've sure. kept you, you know, almost two hours here. That's and right. I wanna, we always end with this question. This is yeah. the, the showstopper. All right. So, if you were the great commissioner of the great game and great game of being tennis that we all play and love. Would you make any changes or, you know, a change or do you like the way it's set up? And it could be across any board, you know, it could be professional, amateur, teaching, you know, whatever, you know, just your thought on the great game and you like the way it sets up uh, thoughts. Um, That's a really good question. I mean, I think I, uh, you know, I have more of a traditional uh, background and uh, mindset on certain things. So I'm, uh, 
I'm okay with uh, the rules and the discipline that comes with it. And uh, I know some of the modern uh, uh, perspectives uh, bring in so many different suggestions to, you know, tweaking the tournaments and certain things. But I think for the most part, I would, I would, be okay with leaving it the way it is. Um, but I would definitely invite the greater minds uh, beyond, you know, like on, on, on both sides, male and uh, female pro, pro players, and ask their opinion on what they think they, it needs to be done because they're the ones that actually play it and, and go through any changes that we would make. And then I would go off that um, if I were to make a decision, because I think at the end of the day, the decisions that they're making are going to impact the players. And really the players should be the ones that have impact and input on, on what's being decided. So that would be my take on it. That's fascinating. Cause we've never had that, that answer. Yeah. You know, get, get a think tank together with anybody who would want to show up basically, or would you limit to the number of people maybe to 10 men, 10 women, or five men, five women, or just say, all right, everybody come out. We're going to meet at, uh, you know, two o'clock in Orlando at uh, Ramona's house, have a couple of beverages and, <laughs> and sit around and, and talk tennis. What, what, is there a limitation, do you think, or is just, just, uh... well, I think, I mean, there's a player council, right? There's mm-hmm. like a yeah. group of people that like lead both sides, the male and female. And I would probably want to hear from those that are in charge. And if there's anybody else that wants to participate, I would definitely want to hear from them because, you know, you can make decisions for somebody else that's, that's going to, um, have to go with it just mm. because, you know, and I think it needs to be like a collaborative effort. You, if the players are happy, then everybody's going to be happy. And, um, you know, the sponsors are going to be happy and they're going to make their appearances. And I think it's, yeah, I don't know. That's just how I see it. I think it needs to be a, a collaboration. I like uh, it. Collaborative yeah. and convivial yeah. response there. I like very, it. Very convivial. Yeah. Very convivial. Yeah, that builds. <laughs> Have you ever heard that word convivial before? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. All right. So we didn't want to throw you a loop there because that, that's the word of our, our show here here lately is conviviality. We want to be convivial. That's uh, friendly to those who don't know convivial, right? Is that way friendly? Off, yeah, of course. And uh, Craig will go, you know, the over-under is usually seven times using convivial on a show. I already did a few posts with convivial. Yeah, that's good. I went that's way good. over the seven marks. So that's right. You're, I'm very convivial today. Yeah, whoever so. picked the over, you have won tonight. You have won an Athenet podcast hat. Well, Ramona, we're going to let you go because we know you probably have to get yeah. up and go go to work. That slave driver, John Embry, and Fred Viancos are probably, you know, going to just crack the whip and go, you got to be there. So, But we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, coming out and and being on the Athenet podcast, we're grateful that uh, we had the time to to spend with you, and especially uh, now that you're feeling better. Yeah, I'm glad you're through that uh, episode of uh, the COVIDs, which uh, I had myself. I don't That's I right. think you never experienced it, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. 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 or fortunately, I just didn't say yeah, unfortunately. Fortunate, or maybe yeah. it's unfortunate. Who knows? But uh, I know she is such a good talk show host. And she has shown tonight that she's a great talk show guest. So, Ramona, thank you so much. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And like I said at the beginning, it's it's a 
it felt a little different to be on this side of, of, of the camera. So uh, thank you for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. Well, what a pleasure. We just uh, enjoyed our time with you. Thank oh, my you so goodness. Much. Yeah, we've had a great time. You know, we got to know a lot more about you. I mean, I've known you for several years, but I didn't know a few of these things, you know, that, yeah. uh, uh, you know, especially I'm, I'm just fascinated by the fact that you fell on the court, you know, a zillion times so and you cute. just, and you won the tournament on yeah, top of that. I mean, so that's just, awesome. but that's a ritual, you know, she was just, you know, subconsciously thinking, I got to fall down every time and <laughs> I'm going to win this tournament. So if funny. I do that, keep it going. So Ramona, have a great, great night down in uh, Orlando. We look forward to uh, catching you another time. And if you ever need anything, uh, where, where, where can people find you again one more time? Sure. So on our website, uspda.com under the national staff, or if they would like to email me directly at ramona.husaru at uspta.org. Um, always happy to chat and, and available to anyone that has questions. Well, so thank you. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Have thank a good night. Well, thank, good night. Thank, Thanks, you, Ramona. thank you very much. We appreciate thank the time. You. Right. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. See you soon. To you for touch. <laughs> Well, what a delightful that was a and, nice, uh, wonderful guest. That oh was my really goodness. fun, CB. Well done. Oh my, yeah, very, I, very I was proud. looking forward to uh, that conversation uh, for you know a couple of months. Yeah, now. I'm very proud that you booked Ramona Husara. That was really fun. Oh my goodness. So, all right. Well, I guess we better uh, cue the music, right? Cue so, it up. All right, here we go. The great James Scott Campbell, right now. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for listening to Season 1, Episode 115 of At The Net Podcast. That's hard to believe, isn't it? 115 right there in the can. Join us next week because we'll be talking with Dan Regan. Dan Regan. You remember Dan Regan, A don't Brit. you? Brit, yeah. Yeah, it's very British. Very, he's like Margot Carter. He is. But only on the guy side. He is. He's with uh, Red Vanley Clothing, the new president of Red Vanley Clothing on the tennis side. Also, Pello Pickleball. Mm. So we're going to be talking with Dan. He was the former director of tennis at Brook Hollow Country Club in the Dallas area. That's how we know him. And we booked him. So he's going to be with us next week, right? That's right. Looking yeah. forward to it. Also, join us on Wednesday evening. We do a little, just a little thing called tennis shorts, right? We get to find out what's in Craig Bell's tennis shorts. Well, we say not much. Instagram, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, and that's at the Net Talk Show. I think we have a special guest this Wednesday night also, too. Correct. From, is it Lisa? Is it Lisa? Pugliese Lacroix. That's it, on That's Wednesday right. night. Yeah, we're going to be talking with her at, on our, our Graham page, right? That's going to be a very busy day for Lisa because she's on with Ramona on a um, inclusive coaching webinar on Wednesday during the day. Then she joins us at night. I know. It's going to be good. Keeping that kid busy. That's right. Yeah, she's great. Good. So we're going to have a good show on Wednesday night. And lastly, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and our other social media outlets. Plus, tell a friend of friends. We want everybody to be a nethead, right? Yeah, 